Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforyoumc.org. Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello and welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast. I hope you're all doing well. Back off my one week vacation slash holiday, depending on where you're listening. Liam, Listen to the pods. Thought you and Lewis did a cracking job, so thank you very much for stepping in, Lewis. But uh, are you glad to have me back, or was it nice to uh, to have a week's break? It's always nice to have a week's break, Rich. <laughs> I can't have too much of you, can I? I've got to talk to you at least once a week, every every week of the year. It's nice to have a little bit of a break. Yeah, absolutely. So, you sound like my wife. <laughs> she says the same thing. You know, talking to me once a week, it's just too much. Um, but yeah, very, very pleased to be back. If, you, if you're joining us on Facebook or YouTube, glad to uh, to see you. If you're joining us uh, on the podcast, unfortunately, Twitter is is it's not playing ball at the moment with the uh, the stream. So uh, hopefully we're working to resolve it. But um, diving in, keen to remind you, the uh, support for the Five Yard Dicey podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who are best in men's below the waist grooming. Uh, we still have that same exclusive offer. You can get 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code 5YARD. Um, you know, as, as I said two weeks ago, Liam, skin safe technology, no cuts on your nuts. It is a fantastic piece of kit. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to say my ad read was better, but that is one thing I didn't include was your, your good old catchphrase there. It's all, so. about, it's all about the no cuts on your nuts. That's all that matters. 
Um, I saw you have a little sip there. Is is this another pink cocktail? It isn't pink, actually, Rich. So this is, oh, okay. I don't know whether you can see Orangey, it. Orangey, I'll you give want. you that. It's kind of like a peach flavor, but yeah, it's a double lollies cocktail. So it's meant to taste like the double lollies that you can get out of, um, I believe they're Swizzlers. Um, Swizzler double lollies, but giving giving a nice nice plug to a non sponsor, yeah. love it. Um, um, sponsor us, uh, Swizzlers. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that is made with amaretto vodka, Southern Comfort, lime juice, orange juice, pineapple juice, and grenadine. And this one was found by my lovely girlfriend, and she actually made it for me today. So uh, it tastes really nice. I'll, I'll bow to your noise. It's not not one I can say I've ever uh, consumed. But uh, an impressive list of uh, ingredients. I've, I've certainly not, not seen a seven-ingredient cocktail in a while. No, but it is actually really nice. So if you've got all the ingredients, definitely try it. All right. I will, I will add it to the, the growing list of things I need to try. Um, but we had an incredible week. Uh, I don't know about you, Liam, but it, it just felt slightly bonkers. I think I've said this maybe 13 weeks out of 13 so far. But yeah. Some crazy high scores, some uh, some nice breakout games, but uh, who who were the high scorers? I think with this week, it it's been extremely high scorer, or you've got a lot of high scorers. But in previous weeks, it's been bonkers because you've had some really low scoring weeks across the board. Um, but as as I said, this week has been extremely high scoring. So as usual, it is four point touchdown for quarterbacks and it's PPR for every position, including tight ends. There's no tight end premium. Sign off at the QB position. You've got Tom Brady, Kyler Murray and Justin Herbert had an absolute day and um, led those charges to a great victory over the, uh, over the Bengals there. You've also got at the running back position, Javante Williams, Rich. Absolutely love this, uh, love this guy. He got the workhorse, uh, workhorse role there. This well today, I mean, oh, I say today, a couple of days ago now. And Mike Boone had a couple of touches, and he looked okay. But it was all the Javante Williams show. He did have a catch at the end of the second quarter that was, I think, it was about thirty plus yards. So that would have been a couple of points there. But otherwise, Javante was an absolute beast. I'm just so delighted for for Dynasty and Fantasy Twitter that Javante Williams finally had a, a, a breakout game. <laughs> felt, don't know about you, but it felt like maybe the uh, you know the world would collide and everything would implode if uh, if Javante Williams didn't ball out when Melvin Gordon finally uh, finally missed the game. Yeah, and I'm extremely happy that he has balled out because now all my Javante Williams shares are going through the roof a little bit. So. Um, maybe hold till the end of the season and sell then because although we said this about Jonathan Taylor uh, I can see his value going to the to the Jonathan Taylor style skyrocket and yeah, maybe they, they, there's a, a window to over or to sell a little bit higher yeah I don't think there's any need to rush to any sort of decision with him I think he's got you know, as as literally everybody in the fantasy community has pointed out, he's got an incredible um, stretch down the down the season in terms of matchups. Um, if Melvin Gordon, I see potentially back practicing this week, so should hopefully be back. But um, yeah, he he could have a Jonathan Taylor like end to the season, at which point his price is 
probably going to double from where it is now. So at the running back position, you've also got David Montgomery um, back in the top three. I know that people weren't overly excited by him in the uh, in the off season, but he is back in the top three of the highest scorers. And Josh Jacobs had a great week as well. The wide receiver position, you've got Justin Jefferson, Deontay Johnson, and Chris Godwin. Um, Deontay Johnson, PPR machine, and then Justin Jefferson with Adam Thielen going out, which we'll cover in a little bit, um, just soaked up all the targets that he could there. Yeah, absolutely. I think, look, Justin Jefferson, you know, there was a lot of talk a few weeks ago, wasn't there, about well, whether Jamal Chase is, uh, is the dynasty wide receiver one. I think Jim. Justin Jefferson to just prove that he is he is a cut above. Um, I, I, yeah, there's question marks over what's going to happen with that team long term. There's question marks about what what's going to happen with Kirk Cousins, but uh, the guy's a beast and uh, he just puts up numbers, doesn't he? If Adam Thielen's going to uh, going to be gone for a little while, um, I think it's only going to be a good thing for Justin Jefferson. And um, the other thing that's uh, that's probably worth mentioning is uh, is my boy. Deontay Johnson, <laughs> absolutely balling out yet again. I think, you know, he, I'm, I'm hoping that the way he separates and the way he performs, um, you know, he's hopefully going to be quarterback proof because I think he's going to need a new quarterback next year. Um, but I, I guess the, the one thing I would say is that before everybody starts going, oh, but he dropped a ball, that's, that's his first official drop of the year. Um, oh, here we go with the drops again. Well, it just it just shows. All I'm saying is it just shows that drops are irrelevant. He had 14, 15 last year. That's his that's his first one this year, and uh, I'm I'm fairly confident he'll be all right for the next few weeks. I mean, we could have just looked at the amount of targets he had last year and said that they were irrelevant, irrelevant anyway, because people were saying, "Oh, yeah, he he had so many drops, but he also had more targets than basically anyone in the league. There was only a handful of people above him with more targets." So. Um, at the tight end position, you had George Kittle had an absolutely amazing week. He was the number one scoring fantasy asset um, across all positions. So we had thirty nine points, I believe, in tight end um, in in PPR leagues. Probably Indeed. even more in tight end premiums, which is crazy. Um, Dallas Goddard um, again about twenty eight points, I believe, and Rob Gronkowski. But one thing I wanted to mention on the tight end. Um, position, Rich, is after you get past Rob Gronkowski, no one scored above 15 points this week. Is this just your way to try and uh, bring yep. back something to see after the tight end's number one score on the week? Yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Let's move on to the significant news before you can shoot me down. So, um, I suppose the biggest news line from last week was there was a lot of talk around Big Ben, Rich, and I wanted to get your opinion on this because they were basically saying um, from reports that I, I was seeing that Ben could be retiring after this year. Um, I know that you, you've got a couple of, I say a couple, you've got more than a couple, you've got an entire fan base uh, that is not happy with Ben's performance right now. And he's only on a one-year deal, so I think he's gone after this year from the Steelers. But do you think he retires or do you think he'll try and salvage something Look, big Big Ben has been incredible. He's won, I think it's two Super Bowls. He's, you know, a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's been a fantastic quarterback for the Steelers. But if he turns around and tries to say, oh, I'm coming back for one more year, they're going to shoot him out the door. 
Like, in what world is Big Ben welcome back at the Steelers as their starting quarterback next year? That's absolutely not. He's but, done. He's but done. Do you, do you think he doesn't go anywhere else? else? No. Who's who? Have you seen him play this year? Have you seen how pathetic his arm is? Him play, and I am saying he's pathetic. But there do you is, not think that he leans on his no. two Super Bowls, his no. first ballot Hall no. of Fame? Philip Philip Rivers was was one and done in Indianapolis, and Philip Rivers had like. 100% more arm left than Big Ben does. Big that's ben, saying something. Exactly. Big ben, Big ben is done. If, you know, if any team takes a flyer on Big Ben next year, they, they, they're just setting fire to the money. Like, I look, I, I will come and be your starting quarterback. I'm confident that I can do a better job than Big Ben. I can throw the ball more than 10 yards without it going 30 in the air. It's, you know, you, if you watch the game from the weekend, he had a few... You know, it was nice to see him actually, you know, downfield targets towards Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson. But he was having to get so much air underneath them to get the ball there. It was ridiculous. The guy, the guy's done. And uh, in, I, I just find it hilarious that he's, you know, sharing in uh, in private circles behind closed doors that he thinks he's, uh, this is his last season. Like, he's, he's done. Everybody knows it. The Steelers know it. It's uh, it's just enjoy, enjoy your final year, Ben, and, uh, and we'll wave you out of the door. So if there are any people with connections to an NFL executive, I want you to get in touch with Rich, his dynasty, his Twitter handle is at Dynasty Island. Pretty sure he wouldn't mind me giving you his phone number as well. (laughs) Get in touch with him. He will be your starting quarterback next year and I will pay you to see him on the field for at least 10 snaps. Hey, I've got my look. I'd like to point out my career at quarterback was one pass attempt, one completion for two yards and a touchdown, and and that's it. I've I've never attempted another throw. So some would say perfect passer rating, you know. So very very close to Mac Jones is um, that line from <laughs> yesterday. Yeah, pretty, right. pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> Moving on to Adam Thielen has aggravated his. Um, ankle so i believe it's a right ankle sprain um a high ankle sprain so he's potentially done for three to five weeks which means we're getting towards playoffs rich for dynasty playoffs at least season's um, over isn't it? yeah for, for fantasy purposes his season's probably done um you've also got Taysom hill um we don't really know what's happened here is it apparently a mallet finger but I love that I've never, no. I've never even heard of a ballot finger before. No, no, no. My quarterbacks have had ballot finger in the space of six weeks. Um, we don't really know a timeline at this point. Uh, he could be okay to play this week, but if not, Trevor Simeon is coming back into the lineup. Miles Sanders has re injured that ankle that he went on to IR for. So he's done for two to four weeks potentially, um, especially with this body coming up. It means that he could miss only one game. But I really would like to see my boy Kenneth Gainwell get some more touches. Uh, he was great this week. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to hand it over to Rich because he's about to shoot me down, but I will say um, I was wrong. <laughs> Miles Sanders got um, got injured and Gainwell did not get all the touches. Um, I think that was a bit hopeful. But with Jordan Howard out, or um, I haven't heard any news since he's been injured, so... Um, I don't think he's back yet. Thought maybe nice. Boston Scott just comes in and it's still the one-two punch. Yeah, I mean it was interesting. So 
obviously I watched a lot of this game being, you know, against the Jets. Um, I was really impressed with Miles Sanders. I think the thing for me is that I've always liked Miles Sanders as a back in space, but what he did well Sunday was he was running between the tackles was very impressive. And uh, to me, it was showing, you know, just what a complete back he can be if he's actually going to be utilised in that way. Um, on the Kenny Gainwell point, I think, yes, he got all the work when Miles Sanders went down. Yes, he, you know, people are going to look at the, what was it, 22% target share and, and that sort of things and get some points. Yeah. Um, the thing is, is that Boston Scott, yes, he was active, but he was only a late active. And I think he was basically there as an emergency back. He played Jordan, 4% of snaps. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he, he basically didn't get on the field, did he? And I think that Jordan Howard, it should be back this after the bye is the reports that I've read. So I think if, if Miles Sanders is healthy, I think this is his backfield. If he's not, I think it's going to be a complete, you know, mess timeshare. And I'm not sure you're going to want to, in the fantasy playoffs, be relying on any one of those three guys. So I think, yes, you know, I, as I know you love Kenny Gainwell and yes, I'm, I'm a fan, but I just think we just need to chill a little bit. I think the, uh, the, the stat line says more about the Jets and their shocking linebacker or an inability to cover any running back out the backfield than it does perhaps about Kenneth Gainwell and his uh, elite fantasy potential. I do think that Gainwell's um, skill set does tie in nicely with the Jets' inability to cover running backs in any way, shape or form. You didn't need to point that, you didn't need to point that out. I'm just rewording what you said. <laughs> <laughs> so um, maybe I am going a little bit too high. The one thing I did just check was Jordan Howard is probably out next week and hopeful to return in week right. 15. Um, mind you, the... the Eagles are on a bye anyway, so it doesn't matter. But hopeful to return in week 15. So you could probably look in at the same backfield as when Mar Sanders was on IR. Moving on, Joe Burrow um, had an injury to his little finger. I couldn't find any um, any news line on this or any uh, timeline on this, Rich. So I don't know whether you've seen anything. Yeah, so he dislocated his finger in the game. Um, and they said it was, they popped it back in and it was okay, but it obviously got worse and having dislocated many a finger, it, it sort of stiffens up over time. So I think he'll, he's said that he's aiming to play this week and he's going to play through it. Um, it's the little finger, which is not as important in terms of gripping the ball. It's not like your, your index finger, but it, it, it does get quite a lot of pressure put on it as you rotate the ball. So it's certainly one to watch um, because, you know, for a lot of people with Jamar Chase, T Higgins, you know, even Joe Mixon, Tyler Boyd shares, it's it's an important injury to monitor as we hit, get to those playoffs. No CJ is on the shares, Rich. Come on. Let's don't, not don't forget the them. fantasy stud. Don't is. talk about tight ends, I thought, Lynn. <laughs> um, speaking about tight ends, though, <laughs> your boy Logan Thomas, Rich. Um he has an ACL injury. It doesn't look like it's a tear now. I think that was the initial thought. But um, yeah. he, he's potentially done for the season at this point. Yeah, it's been one, an awful season for him. That one hurts because I've got quite a lot of Logan Thomas shares and because um, I bought them for free last year. And um, I was really excited because the Washington offense has got a really nice stretch of games in the playoffs. So I was thinking that I was getting you know a, a nice bounce back tight end potentially and uh, yeah there he is ACL it's, they said it's not a tear though so he's got a chance to return this year but 
if they're out of the playoff picture, which I mean, they, they might hang around, but they could well be out of the playoffs and uh, they might just leave them on the, uh, on the shelf for the rest of the year. So Daniel Jones has a neck injury with Mike Lennon in concussion. We could be seeing Jake from starting, who was drafted to the Buffalo Bills um, not last year, the year before in 2020, I believe. Yeah, um, out, of, uh, so, out of Georgia. Yeah. Um, look, look, Jake, Jake from it's it's been confirmed that he's starting. Okay, um, I've missed that news. Sorry, yeah. listeners. Uh, I think that Daniel Jones is hoping, but they've basically said that he, he needs um, second opinion. So, yeah, look, Jake Fromm, it's hard to be excited about this, isn't it? He's, he's got a fairly weak arm. I don't think he's an LFL caliber quarterback from a kind of raw kind of aspects, should we say, uh, perspective. But I think if you're just asking him to deliver the ball and let's be honest, hopefully we might see all of the uh, Giants weapons on the field at one point. I think, you know, everybody sits there and is like, oh, they've got Kenny Golladay, Sterling Shepard, Kadarius Tony, Evan Ingram, Saquon Barkley. And I don't think they've played together all year. So who knows? Maybe if they can all get on the field this week and all healthy, maybe Jake Fromm can actually deliver the ball and, uh, and it might be a good week for everyone, but yeah, hard hard to feel confident, I'd say, about any Giants heading into uh, this week. So uh, the last bit of injury news that we've got is Kenyon Drake broke his ankle during the game. Uh, he is also done for the year, so that opens up more of the uh, target share for Josh Jacobs. And then the last bit of significant news, by weeks, we've got the Eagles, as we've already mentioned, the Colts, the Dolphins, and the Patriots. So if you've got any players from them there not playing this week, make sure you've got some contingency plans and get those waiver wire ads like Rich has probably put uh, his article out already today um, as of recording as a Tuesday. Um, so take a look on that. So Rich, Dynasty Stock Market, do you want to take us away with one of the uh, risers that we've got this week? Yeah, it was quite, quite a nice seamless transition. You're talking about Kenyon Drake and a, and a potential plethora of targets for Josh Jacobs and uh, he's going to be our first dynasty riser um that could could this be the final opportunity for Josh Jacobs to see a true three down roll on on Sunday he saw nine targets which I believe is a career high um when Drake went down I know I, I talked about it in the the waiver article Peyton Barber is still sniffing around could we see Jalen Rashad get some work but Hopefully, we might finally see a Josh Jacobs three-down roll, and he can uh, he can get out the uh, volume-based RB two doghouse that he's been sat in for the last two years. Honestly, I don't see the point in or, or the, the fascination that NFL teams have with Peyton Barber. <laughs> um, I mean, Washington for some reason kept him around when they had Adrian Peterson and a bunch of other backs. Um, Sniffing around that backfield, you also had him in Tampa Bay, um, stopping Ronald Jones from doing basically anything. I, I don't see the fascination there. Um, but more on Josh Jacobs, really, he's potentially what like going to jump up last year. I believe he was the RB4 or the RB3 through the first five weeks of the season. Um, so you, you're potentially looking at Josh Jacobs getting back to that sort of. Uh, production you're most likely looking at a trade deadline that is gone so you can't really do anything apart from ride this out but maybe it drives his price up a little bit going into the off season 
um, if you're a contender, this is great news. Yeah, absolutely. It could be that um, that little boost that you need just heading into the playoffs. And then the other big rise, you already, already mentioned him in the high scorers, George Kittle. He was, as you said, the number one player on the week. He scored 39.6 points. His final stat line was 10 touches, 186 yards and two touchdowns. It was, I'll be honest, watching the uh, the game in 40 of this today, I have no idea how that man didn't end up on the winning side. Like, how how can a tight end play as good a game as he did in, you know, not just as a receiver, but he had a couple of rushing temps, he, you know, as a, as a blocker as well. There's some fantastic blocks and traps and stuff. Um, and then he ended up losing. It was absolutely outrageous. The guy was a beast. Um, and I think this just proves that when healthy, he's absolutely in that tight end one kind of conversation. But the problem is, is that it's a big if, isn't it? Yeah, I'm still wary going into next season with Lance um, probably taking over that, that offence. But I think this just solidifies Kittle as the, the the top tier of tight ends, along with people like Pitts, probably Kelsey, uh, still even though he's had a bit of a down year, um, and Waller, even though he's been injured. I, I can see Rich... Uh, <laughs> I don't really know what the word is, but basically pulling faces at me saying, please stop talking because I don't agree with you. So, Rich, what <laughs> don't you agree don't, with, mate? I just don't know if, for me, I think with Waller's performance this year, I wonder if he's fallen out of that top tier. I think that Kelsey Kelsey deserves to still be in that conversation. I think Carl Pitts has shown enough uh, potential and with his draft capital and at his age, he should absolutely be in that conversation. And I think George Kittle has produced this year. I don't think Waller, when healthy, has produced. So for me, he's still kind of in that conversation, but I think he's he's probably closer to tight end four and five than he is to tight end one, put it that way. I still think that's a whole tier at the moment. I think the, the gap between what we saw as tight end, the, uh, the top tight end tier, and then slightly behind um, at the start of the season, I think that's just kind of withered away, and it's now a whole what like tight end tier. I don't think yeah. Waller has been moved out of that. I no, think so I've got if you're I've talking if you're talking pits and potential, Rich, I don't see how you can't include Waller in his potential. That's why I'm concerned. Yes, age, but I, I still don't see how you can include one on potential and not the other. Yeah, so for me, I've got Kelsey's my tier one, Pitts is my tier two, and then my tier three is George Kittle, Darren Waller, and Mark Andrews. So yeah. Anyway, that's that's enough tight end talk. We'll we'll move to some fallers. Thank you. That um, makes me feel so much better. (laughs) So Trevor Lawrence, um, again, another week, another three or four very impressive throws um, and another really poor fancy performance. Here's here's a pop question for you, Liam, putting you on the spot. Can, Can you name who was the number one wide receiver for the Jacksonville Jaguars this week? For former first round pick, please tell me. Uh, I knew that they had. What I say, I knew. I saw that one team had interest in Philip Dorsett, and I can't remember seeing anyone signing him. So please tell me it wasn't him. No, it wasn't him. Um, he was draft, drafted. Drafted by Con Treadwell. Then I know that Con he's Treadwell. on. The, I know he's on the the Jags. So. Yeah, he, he, he led the Jags in targets and receptions this week. It was, yeah. Crazy. Look, I, I think, I still believe in Trevor Lawrence, the talent. I think he is 
for me, I've seen enough to believe that he's still an elite quarterback. But that whole situation is an absolute tire fire. I am, yeah, there's there's nothing there that I feel good about in terms of the offensive line, the receiving weapons, the offensive play caller, Urban Meyer. It's it's just awful. Now my question is, is that we saw at the beginning of the year Trevor Lawrence being put in the same tier along with Joe Burrow as a you know a top seven eight dynasty quarterback coming out. Do you, do you think you can still call him a dynasty QB one, or do you think no. that he's fallen that far? I think he's fallen outside of QB one range for me. I was already skeptical about putting him in the QB one range without him taking a snap. Same with every other rookie quarterback this season, but I think with Aaron specifically. I had him lower going into the season. I think I probably got him higher than what the dynasty community sees him as right now because I think that that situation is going to get better. Same with Zach Wilson. I think, yes, his production, both of their productions aren't great. We spoke about both of them last week um, with Lewis, but I think that their situations are going to get better. I think if anyone's going to get better, it's going to be Lawrence's. Sorry, Rich, but I genuinely see the Jags' offense as having more weapons than the Jets' offense right now, and that's not saying something. Not watched enough well. of Elijah Moore, that's for sure. Um, I mean, I think yes, I, I'll, I'll, I'll healed on Elijah Moore, <laughs> but you've also got James Robinson. They've still got um, Dan Arnold. Yes, he's not brilliant, but he's much better than whatever tight end you're running. Is it Ryan Griffin <laughs> right now? Uh, you've got Etienne yes. coming back. I just see them and they've got more cap space as well. Yeah. I think so quickly touching on Zach Wilson, I I think that yes, he has had his struggles, but to me, the first half on Sunday was the best performance I've seen from Zach Wilson all year. He shot me a lot. It was the first it was the first time on Sunday that I felt that he was playing within the offense. Um, and then that, that fell apart in the second half and he, he was fairly poor again. But uh, I think with Trevor Lawrence, he's still, for me, my QB9. Now, I am the first person who sits here and says QB age is massively overrated. But if you were in a startup right now, I don't think I could take Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford, Russell Wilson, Brian Tannehill over... Trevor Lawrence. So I bet you a lot of people could. Maybe not ten. Oh, absolutely. Them, but absolutely. But I think the other ones that you mentioned, I bet you many people in the offseason will. 100 percent And I just think that for me, I get that from a fancy perspective, he's been poor, but I just believe in the talent. And I think that I've whilst that situation is dreadful, whilst he's thrown to a load of whatever receivers, I think he's shown enough that I think that next year, hopefully with a, a better offensive mind and play caller, I really think that he could be, for me, I think he's got top two or three quarterback in the NFL, not from a fantasy perspective, quarterback. You know, I think he has got that truly elite talent. And some of the throws he makes, he's there. He's just got to get more around him and put it all together on a more consistent basis. I, I want to get you and FF Miz, uh, the other rich that we had on the <laughs> pod uh, during the off-season and just do a whole session, a whole pod on Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson because I want to know your thoughts on them. Um, but moving on, Rich, for the other four that you put on the list, Corey Davis, so speaking about the Jets, um, he's done for the season, but what, 
what's his value right now? Because he's not been brilliant. He's been particularly up and down. Um, what it's what do good. you see? What do you see for Davis going forward? Uh, it's, it's not good. It's not good. Um, I think look, I was very excited about him coming to the Jets. I think he is a you know a prototypical kind of Z receiver. I like his all round game. I think he's a fantastic blocker. I think he's a nuanced route runner, and I thought that he'd settle into that you know intermediate route range for the Jets. And I was very excited, as I'm sure many people know. Um, but that hasn't really panned out, and. Um, He's, he's basically not been healthy all year. He, sh- he showed a couple of ga- flashes earlier in the year. We had decent target share, decent options, but has basically just not really produced. And I guess my concern is is that I think this offense is now Elijah Moore is is kind of the, the one. I think there's no questioning that at all at the moment. Um, so my concern is is that he's now going to settle into that roster clogger range where. You never feel great starting him, um, but he's got too much value to to kind of just cut. But you're never going to get anything for him in a in a trade. So I am very concerned that we've quite quickly entered that roster clogger range. And um, yeah, may, maybe this off season is uh, wait for there to be a couple of hype hype pieces about Zach Wilson and him looking great, and then it's uh, get what you can for him kind of time. I think with Corey Davis, you've got to hold until the start of next season. Maybe he puts something up or he just does nothing and you can finally cut him because his value is gone. I don't think right now you can really do anything with him. He just may be a throw-in piece in trades just to get it over the over the hump and get it accepted. Yeah, so if I can get a second for him, I'm probably selling right now. Yeah, if, if I can get a second for him, I'm smashing that. It's probably that's a, that's Two thirty, probably more about where you're where you're at with him right now with with perception, shall we say? Yeah, I think that's his value is probably a you know currently being injured, not helping a contender. His value is probably a third or two thirds, as you said. But there's no way I'm selling for that. I'd I'd need a second to sell. I don't think I'd get a second, but that would definitely be what I'd be selling. Um, so players of the week, Liam, who's who's your star? So I've got Amon Ross and Brown now. We'll preface this at the start of this whole segment. I have never been on Amon Rasen Brown. I love the name. I love the fact that his brother plays for the Packers. I just don't ne- never saw it with him. Um, and when he went to the when he went to the Lions after the draft, I thought that he was going to be the most overdrafted player in this. Um, in this draft class because he didn't have the draft capital. Um, There were so many receivers taken ahead of him by so many other teams and he was just going to be penciled in with so many targets and he's completely fallen in line with everything I've said so far up until this game. This game, for whatever reason, I I haven't watched the game so I can't give you that analysis yet, but for whatever reason, he had 12 targets. He had 10 receptions on those 12 targets for 86 yards and a touchdown. In terms of the entire offense, Rich, he had a 29.2% target percent target share, so that's nearly 30% target share. I don't know what happened in this game, 
I know that the Lions finally got their first win, which is crazy. Um, and of course, it's against the Vikings, who seem to beat good teams like the Packers and then find a way to lose against absolutely awful teams. Uh, and they're so up and down, it's like a roller coaster. But I don't know how to feel about Amon Ross and Brown right now. He was an absolutely crazy um, guy to have in your lineups. But if you had him in your lineups, I have no idea what your lineups look like because. It's got to have been awful. You, you've got to have had so many bye weeks and injuries that you just had to play Amon Rice and Brown. <laughs> um, Rich going forward, Amon Rice and Brown, what are you doing with him? And I think I know your answer immediately. Day, day three picks don't matter. You know me. Um, I think, look, yes, he's he's the target leader in that offence. I think that I, I genuinely, having watched the game, I think... Look, Jared, Jared Goff talks very highly of him and said they need to get him the ball more and that was why they were feeding him and he's a stud and all this kind of stuff after the game. Fine. But look, he's he's not going to be the target leader when they actually get a competent quarterback and a competent receiver. I think he he could settle into a nice, you know, NFL-style wide receiver two, wide receiver three. But for me, that's never going to be a reliable fantasy asset. So for me, I view him as that roster plugger and... Look, let's be honest, if, if you've not seen the touchdown, Liam, go and watch it after this because, you know, seconds seconds left in the game, 11, 11 right yards now, to go, and I have never seen a defence. Basically, the, the Vikings corners sat back at the back of the end zone, allowing a pass to be completed in front of them. It was almost as if they were expecting a Hail Mary, but they were 11 yards out. It was absolutely mind-blowing. Like It's honestly one of the most ridiculous defensive plays I've ever seen in the NFL. It was moronic from what is normally a really disciplined, really well-coached defence from Mike Zimmer. So it was it was just ridiculous. But look, I, I think Omar Russell Brown's going to have flash games like this. He's going to see volume because this is the kind of offence. There's no real top receivers. There's... You know, target shares. We, how many how many different receivers have we seen lead the Lions in targets this year? And I think that Too would many. I be surprised if over the next three or four years we get games like this from Aaron Ross and Brown again? No, not at all. He'll probably have two or three of these a, a year. Is he so, ever going to turn I, into a reliable fancy starter? For me, no. So if if you can sell him now, I'm absolutely doing that. Sorry, I'm just watching the. Um watching the touchdown and I have no idea what the what the it's, it's almost doing. it's almost as if they've gone oh, okay we're, we're gonna defend the back shoulder fade you know that we're, we're defending the the back pile on fade sorry oh oh they've completed the ball in front of us oh never mind it's moronic <laughs> no idea why they didn't just sit on the um on the touchdown line, no. and, but yeah. Anyway, that, my my star of the week, Liam. So uh, I've I've dug a little bit deeper. I didn't want to go for a, a headline star, but I've gone with Tony Pollard. Um, so he, you have to think back now because it was obviously Thursday night. But he had seven rushes for seventy-one yards and a touchdown. Um, one of the funniest touchdowns, I think, talking of poor defensive play, I'm not quite sure what Michael Williams was doing on the, on this play even, just jogging alongside him. It was hilarious. He also had four targets in the passing game. Um, I, was, I, I think Tony Pollard has shown this year that he's fantastic. He's, you know, in that flex conversation, despite sharing a backfield with Ezekiel Elliott. But do you think that he's potentially that 
elite top handcuff conversation. You know, we've seen Alexander Madison, now Dalvin Cook's gone down. Is Tony Pollard in that conversation or do you think he's better than that? Is he in that AJ Dillon where he's got that kind of standalone value and isn't just a handcuff? You, you stole the words from my mouth when you said <laughs> AJ Dillon because he was the first person I thought of when um, when you mentioned is, is he a top handcuff because it depends how you view handcuffs because they they can mean one of two things. You can either think handcuff is purely for when an, a running back goes down, um, which I suppose w- was the way that you were probably speaking about him there. But a lot of people don't sit for you handcuffs as having standalone value. And that's why I was so on AJ Dillon this year was because I thought that he had so much standalone value that not many people had, uh, not many people thought he had. Whereas Tony Pollard, I think, has always been viewed that way. Or I say always, um, post-rookie season has always been viewed that way. So Pollard has shown when Zeke isn't around in that offense, he will basically slot in for Zeke and be, I wouldn't say more electric, but basically make sure that offense runs exactly the same as what ha- what would happen if Zeke was there. I think with Pollard specifically, I've always had him outside of the hang- uh, purely handcuff range and he's always had a bit of a standalone flex appeal. But um, so I, I'd probably say not like a Matteson, but more like an AJ Dillon um, in, in value at least. Yeah, the concern I guess is is that there's not, with AJ Dillon, you can almost see that feature role, can't you? Aaron Jones is last year. I know he's not the last year of contract, but he is actually the last year of his real contract next year. And you can see AJ Dillon the year after being the lead back. You can see Alexander Matheson. I don't think he's a free agent this year, but I think it's next year. You can see him going and getting a, a deal somewhere else. Tony Pollard, you can't kind of see that because Zeke's going to be the running back again next year. That contract means he's he's not movable. And it's kind of like, oh, he's just he's just got to sit and be the one B in that offense, and 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 it's frustrating because the potential's there. He could be a stud for fantasy, but I just don't think it's uh, it's ever going to happen, is it? Certainly over the next year or two. Um, yeah. So so Matteson um, does have one year on his contract after this year, right. and um, Cook did sign a new contract. Yeah, so um, Matheson's so, in a similar situation to Pollard, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. So the deep dive player of the week, Liam. So I've dug a little bit deeper. Um, I've come up with Russell Gage. Is that are we are we classing that as a deep dive or have I uh, have I bottled it again this week? No, definitely deep dive this week. Um, he's been really up and down this season. I know Murph was a huge advocate of Russell Gage coming into the season. I liked his potential. Um, and he showed okay uh, numbers to start the season and then kind of just dropped off and did nothing because Cadell yeah. Patterson took over that offense completely. Well, that, um, uh, early season injury killed him, didn't it? Because, um, yes, yeah, I think he had a, a dud week one and then he got injured and then he just sort of disappeared. But the last few weeks, he started to put it together. And this last week, so he had a 30% target share. He then had 11 receptions for 130 yards. And I think he's he's you know he's never going to be that take the top off the defense deep threat that's you know going to going to tear apart a defense. But I think in terms of a solid move the chains possession receiver, 
Um, I think he's he's there. I think he'd be a good, you know, number two in most offenses. Do we think that, given the fact that potentially Ridley's coming back, given the fact that Kyle Pitts is, you know, going to be a target monster, and the fact that they, I think Atlanta's probably going to bring Cordero Patterson back again next year. Do you think Russell Gage is just going to be that boom bust? you know, rust the clogger that we talked about with Amon Ross and Brown, where he'll have a few decent weeks. He then won't be startable for four or five. And by the end of the year, he settles in as a wide receiver three, four, or do you think he can be more than that? I do think he has the potential to be more than that, but he does need a, a Ridley to come back or someone along those lines to be a wide receiver one there. Um, so he doesn't have all of the, the receiving work put into him basically I think with that offense it's slowly getting to the point where if everyone's healthy there's too many mouths to feed if they do want to bring back Patterson you've then got Patterson uh, Pitts you've probably got Ridley back next year um, or at least that's probably hopeful at this point and with the plethora of wide receivers that are going to be on uh, the free agency market and uh, what it looks to be a pretty decent wide receiver class again um from or at least a deep wide receiver class from what i can from what i've heard do the falcons have enough targets there to feed gauge plus the the three to four of the targets that they they're probably going to have there um i think he he i was so hopeful with him that i've kind of just shunned him at this point and gone all out uh, I don't want him anywhere that I've got him but if you can sell him at this point please do that, that, that's what I'm at at the moment if, you, if you've got the opportunity to sell based on this 30% target share 130 yard game then I would but I, I don't I think a, you're going to get anything for him going forward No I am a little bit intrigued about him as a potential flex option during these playoffs because I do think that look Cole Pitts isn't ready to be the the target monster that he will be in a couple of years yet I think so I still think that there's a role for a number one receiver and if Russell Gage is going to see a 20 plus percent target share then he's he's at least a flex option in some of those deeper leagues so I think it's it's worthwhile monitoring you know if you can go and buy him for a third something like that then why not at the moment? He's um, it's know, a contender. I like that move a yeah. lot. Yeah. So the spotlight player of the week, Liam, and um, I'll be honest, I've kind of held off this one. Um, <laughs> I was I was hoping to to take a victory lap because I kind of stood on quite a firm um, kind of platform and, and and faded him. I was lower than consensus in uh, in rookie ranks. Um, I've not got a single share, but I'm I'm ready to to admit defeat. Um, so Jalen Waddle, he is absolutely tearing it up. He is a, a complete target machine. Um, he's currently the wide receiver ten on the season, which I'll be honest, blew my mind when I looked at that. He is yeah. ahead of Jamar Chase. Yes, he hasn't had his bye week. He will fall down once he's had his bye week, but. But I thought the concern for me with Jalen Waddle was that he was, I had no doubt about the talent. My concern was is that he was never going to be a 
what I'd class a proper receiver. I thought he was going to be a gadget player. I thought he wasn't going to be able to carve out a true role. But we see so far he's had a 23.8% target share. He's got an A dot of 7.1. He's still getting targeted down the field. And yeah, I've I've kind of admitted defeat. He was my wide receiver five coming uh, five wide receiver six in rookie ranks. Um he's he's now up to my wide receiver 20 overall. He has been a huge riser for me in season. Um, yeah, I, I really believe that all the time Tua is the quarterback, and I think Tua's going to be around for at least another year. I can't see any world where Jalen Waddle isn't going to get fed targets because this offense needs that, you know, yak potential. It needs that spark plug because unfortunately Tua can't do it with his arm because he's he's not got the arm strength to, to kind of challenge defenses. So it needs to be quick, sharp, get the ball out and and let your playmakers go and feast. Yeah, I think when we're coming into the year, and especially post-draft, Waddle was the player that I struggled with the most because I liked him, but I didn't see the path of fantasy relevance like you. Um, I think I had him as the wide receiver five purely because I could have had him anywhere between the wide receiver three and five. Um I liked Rondale and Bateman more. I, you know I'm a massive Bateman fan. Um, and Smith and, and Chase were the top two. But Waddle has far surpassed my expectations, especially from a fantasy point of view. Um, I did like him getting drafted to the same place where he had his college, uh, college quarterback. Um, but I again, I didn't see him a path to fancy relevance there. So I'm glad to have been proven wrong. Um, but as, as you said, you have no fancy shares of Waddle and nor do I. Um, I took Bateman and Rondale above Waddle, unfortunately. But yeah, I, I struggle with Waddle still because he's the wide receiver one in that offense, but we have no idea what that offense is going to look like come next year. I've probably said that about every offense coming into this uh, (laughs) season, but genuinely, because there are so many wide receivers out there next year, we haven't seen Waddle on the field with Fuller, to my knowledge, for a full game. We haven't seen Waddle really being challenged for targets since he's blown up over the past few weeks. So what do we see when Devante Parker's back or Fuller's well, back saw, or, or another wide receiver comes in next year? We've seen um, Will Fuller, I, th- I think he's done in Miami. He's, he's got this thing, yes, broken finger know. that has lingered. He signed a one-year 10 mil deal. I, th- I think maybe he plays down the stretch, but I don't think Miami are bringing him back. Devontae Parker played this week and I think they complement each other really well. I think Devontae Parker is going to be that you know, prototypical X receiver who's going to run those those deeper routes. He's going to be good at contested catches. And and then you've got Jalen Waddle who can just clean up underneath. And I think that my concern was there wouldn't be the role that would allow him to feast. And Miami have just proved that they're happy to feed him, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten targets a game on those underneath crosses, on those, you know, short double moves, the zigs and, and digs and things. And he can create separation. He can he can do stuff with the ball afterwards. And I think that 
yeah, I'm, I'm happy to admit that I was wrong on Jalen Woodall. I thought I loved the talent. Um, I just didn't believe that a guy that basically never put it together for any sort of consistent spell in college could do it in the pros. But I'm, I'm happy to admit I'm wrong. As I said, he's, he's now up to my wide receiver 20. So, you know, that that's ahead of Devonta Smith. That's ahead of Elijah Moore. That's that's ahead of the likes of Jerry Judy and Brian, Brandon Ayuk. So he's, um, he's definitely, for me, a, a sought-after dynasty asset. And I'd, I'd pretty much be happy paying... Um, anything up to probably a mid first in Superflex. Um, I don't think I'd pay a, a top three pick, but I'd certainly pay a kind of a fourth, fifth, sixth pick in this year's draft for uh, for a Jalen model. I can't wait to have the offers come in from you uh, for you then, Rich, because I, <laughs> I I don't think many people are expecting that price right now. I I definitely didn't, um, but. Yeah, I'm, there we are. I'm I'm always happy to buy a young, productive wide receiver. So if anyone wants to come and sell me Jalen Model for uh, what should we say anything outside of the top four pick, I'm I'm happy paying that price. So Rich, moving on to the listener questions, we've been smashed by by four to this week. So first of all, uh, we'll we'll go with some of the quick hitters. Andy at FPL mode um, asked. Aaron Jones, is it time to sell Rich? Uh, absolutely not. I don't think I don't think it's ever the time to sell a player coming off injury when his his backup has has played well. Um, I think that for me, if you've got Aaron Jones, you can probably sell him for like a mid first. If that, I'd much rather hold, see what he does over the next couple of weeks. I think that he could still produce, you know, a decent playoff stretch. Um, and then you could potentially look at moving in the off season. Um, you know me; I think I'm always team sell running back. The the problem I, I'd have, and the only reason I'd hesitate with Holden at the moment is, I think his price is going to drop significantly in the off season because I think people are going to realise what we've been saying all year that he's only got one year left on his contract. I think people are going to think that AJ Dillon is going to start to take over that that backfield, and I think AJ. Uh, Aaron Jones' price will drop. So for me, I'd hold this week, but probably look to sell in two or three weeks. Yeah, if you can sell probably postseason um, or find a buyer that, are ex- that is expecting Aaron Jones to be immense coming to the uh, during the playoffs. Um, now is probably the time to sell because I was thinking about it as you were speaking, Rich, and if you tried to sell um, when people started going into redraft mode next year, I think you're probably looking at a lower value than what you would be um, coming up to the games this this week. Um, Andy also had another question, Rich. As a contender, would you trade Cordell Patterson for either Sutton or Juju? So Cortland Sutton or Juju Smith-Schuster? Um, absolutely and if so, not. which one would you? Absolutely not. No, no way, Jose, to use my uh, three-year-old's line. Um, no, I think, look, for me, I've got Cordero Patterson for the rest of this year. I've just done my rest of the season rankings. He's my RB7 for the rest of the season. I think he is an, an absolute, you know, league winner this year. As a contender, I'm not selling him for anything over less than a massive overpay and... 
for me, Juju, Cortland, Sutton, that's that's pretty much a step sideways, maybe even a little bit of a step back in terms of value. So uh, there's absolutely no way I'm selling Cordero Patterson for either of those receivers. I think if you're in a rebuild, that's a different question. But as a contender, I'm taking Cordell Patterson every day of the week in that trade. Yeah, as a rebuilder, I, I get the move. And I, I'd quite like that move of Cordero Patterson to Juju. I'd probably want a little bit on top. But um, but yeah, I think that's a great move as a rebuilder. But as a contender, there is no way I'm doing that trade. Um, so Rich Marcus asks, Jude, um, Jacobs or Dylan long term? I know my answer. What's yours? <laughs> shocking your answer i'm sure um so i've got them they're actually two spots apart so i've got jacobs just ever so slightly ahead um but they're pretty close a lot of that with jacobs being slightly ahead is the fact that he's producing for you right now um i think if you were to ask me at the end of the season then i'd say i'd prefer dylan over jacobs um i just think that Josh Jacobs is a solid RB2 for you right now, whereas AJ Dillon is probably more of a flex. Um, if not higher yeah. after the Drake uh, injury as well. Exactly going that. forward. Exactly that. So I'd say that come the off-season, it'll be Dillon. But right now, just because he's helping me in the playoffs, Josh Jacobs. Richie caught me while I was drinking. I just, you, I you just couldn't have to... talked for an extra ten seconds, could you? I, oh, I, I absolutely could have, but I didn't. I didn't want to because I saw you taking a big swig. I thought I'd, yeah. Uh, I'd, uh, yeah, highlight the fact that you were taking a big swig. Give you, yeah, uh, highlight that as finishing my drink. Thanks, Rich. Yeah. <laughs> so the last listener question, which from John Ball um, Doku, who has been an absolute godsend with all these listener que- questions this season. This is the one that we want to take a bit more time on. So he's in a rebuild at the moment. He has four firsts and three seconds in 2022, and he has okay. two firsts and three seconds in 2023. So a lot of picks over the next two years. His QBs are very young. He's got uh, Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields, and Deshaun Watson. It's in a super flex league. What would be your step-to-step guide um, for his rebuilding team with that amount of picks? Okay, so without knowing anything about the rest of his roster, the fact he's he's not mentioned anything, I'm going to presume he's basically got no other kind of assets at wide receiver running back tight end. So my move would be, I'd I'd basically be looking at those those picks, and I'd be tr- basically penciling the fact I'm not going to make all seven of those picks this year and all four of my picks next year. I've spoken about it before. I've said I don't believe in two-year rebuilds. I believe I think any roster can be turned around in 12 months. Um, So I would be looking, depending on the rest of his roster, at competing for a playoff spot in 2022. So what I would personally look to do is I wouldn't buy running backs. I don't know if I've said this on the pod before, but it's something that I say to quite a few people is don't buy running backs in the off-season, Okay. You will see by the Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins injuries before the season, running back values can plummet in a heartbeat. Okay, I look to buy running backs at the start of the season or in those first two, three weeks because, yes, you might have to pay a bit more, but I would rather that security of my asset is not going to go up in flames. And I think every year you can get a... Leonard Fournette, a Cordero Patterson for a second round pick after the first two couple of weeks of the season. Okay. So I would I would probably 
not look to buy any running backs. I'm buying volume at running back, so I'm going to go out and buy a load of third and fourth round pick running backs. I'm going to try and, you know, my way of building a depth of, of 15 plus running backs. But I'm not going to go out and spend two, three firsts on a, you know, Javonte Williams or, or Najee Harris, someone like that. I am then looking to move those first round picks for young wide receivers that I can build around. Okay. So I am targeting the likes of Justin Jefferson, CD Lamb, Jamar Chase, Deontay Johnson, um, Jalen Waddell, uh, Devonta Smith, Elijah Moore, people like that. I'm asking the prices on all of those guys. Okay. Obviously I have my prices that I'd be willing to pay. I'm not willing to overpay, but if I'm looking to build a long-term dynasty, I want to do it around young stud wide receivers. Okay. I would look to move those picks, but what I'm looking to do is I'm looking to get players, but I'm looking to get picks back. So if I'm moving two firsts for Deontay Johnson, I'm looking to get at least a second round pick back because I want draft capital. I want buys of the cherry. And then when we come into draft season, hopefully I've got five, six, seven flyers in the first two rounds you know, because you never know what is going to happen in terms of, you know, diamonds in the rough. We get Elijah Mitchells, we get all sorts of players. But also, as you get to the off season, people suddenly become opposed to anyone that's got any sort of age. And uh, I'm sure you're going to be able to buy Adam Thielen in the off season for. A late second round pick you're going to be able to probably buy Aaron Rodgers for a first in a super flex league like the prices of the aging players plummet around that draft time so what I'd do is I would basically to sum up I'm not moving any of those picks now by the way I didn't say that I'd be looking to move those picks in March April time when they're at their peak in terms of value um I'm looking to probably not spend on running back. I think the fact that you've got a couple of future picks in 2023 allows you that flexibility. Um, and I'd look around trying to acquire some young receivers to build. And I think that you'll probably end up making five, six picks in the first two rounds, but I'm not necessarily worried about going out and getting the 101 um, because, you know, as this year showed, Trevor Lawrence was the consensus 101. And the difference between him and Mac Jones six months ago was probably two, three firsts. Whereas the difference between Trevor Lawrence and Mac Jones now is probably a second round pick. The same the year before with Justin Herbert and Tua or Joe Burrow. You know, I think I'd I'd look to add the the latest first round quarterback you can. Um, but yeah, as I said, build around those stud wide receivers. Don't be scared to move draft capital for young players if you're in a rebuild. I think people think because they're rebuilding, they need to get all the picks they can. But actually, go and take some flyers. Go and take, you know, if you want to build, contend in 2022, go and buy Adam Thielen for a late second. Go and buy Aaron Rodgers for that first. Go and, you know, go, go and buy Elijah Mitchell or Cordell Patterson at the end of the season for a late first because why not it's it's worth the risk because i think when you're rebuilding if you just sit there 
collect draft picks, make draft picks, it's going to be four or five years before you can tend. You need to take some risks. Worst case scenario, you're still in the rebuild. Cordell Patterson is an interesting point because I don't think in the off-season you have to pay a first. I think people after this season will think, okay, he's done. And you're, you're probably looking at... I very much doubt that you're paying more than a second for him after, really? the, after the season's ended. I don't think people will see him and, and think, oh, yeah, he's going to be in, in Atlanta for another couple of years. I think maybe it opens a little bit of a buy now window. What I wanted to do was speak about uh, an orphan that I took over last year, halfway through the season. So the orphan had about four um, four draft picks, uh, four first round picks, and I had Justin uh, Justin Herbert, um, Joe Burrow, and Kyler Murray on that roster. Um, now that's not a bad orphan to own at all. Um, after moving around, I ended up having five firsts, three seconds, and a third. Um, and I actually made all of those picks, but I didn't make, I think I made one, maybe two picks exactly where I ended the season with that pick. So what I'm saying is if I had the 110 at the end of the point scoring season, I probably didn't make my first round pick as the 110. I probably moved back or forward. With having so many picks, especially if you get early picks, I love the idea of selling um, picks and move back and gain more capital. So one of the moves I made in this league was I sold the 101, um, which was which ended up being Lawrence, to move back. And I picked up Pitts and, and another couple of pieces. Um, but if you can move around and manipulate the draft... To what you want it to be to pick up more draft capital although i'm in a different camp to rich and saying that he doesn't believe in two year plus rebuilds um i do think that it is a path that you can look to go down um it depends how quickly you want to win um like this roster that i have i um, i ended up hitting on a lot of picks so i ended up ended up after the draft having Chase Fields, Pitts, Javante Williams, Vonta Smith, um, Michael Carter, Amari Rogers, because I had to, Nico Collins and Kenneth Gamewell. I ended up with all of my first round picks hitting, essentially, and two of uh, one of my seconds hitting. So, although it was really lucky that I hit on a lot of my picks, um, what I've since done in that league is traded a lot of those assets Um to go and get Tyreek Hill or and, and other pieces like that where I can now contend and I'm actually in the playoffs as one of the top seeds. Um, so don't be afraid to move around, manipulate the draft however you want because as a person with the most picks in, that, in the first two rounds, most likely, you can always move around and, and probably get people to pay a little bit more than they want to pay. And then going forward, you've got that draft capital. That's that's what I did. And I, even though I made all these picks, I ended up getting four um, four different picks. I think I ended up with three first next year, um, which I've used two of them plus a bunch of seconds to move, move around and get higher picks like Tyreek Hill. Um, so 
make sure that it's not just, oh, I have these picks, I have to take them. Because even if you do want to take people, you can always move back. And who knows, that person could be there afterwards. Um, yeah, I, 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 I will that's... say picks will always have a hit rate and you're not always going to hit. So this is a very unlikely scenario that you pick five first round picks and they all hit. But yeah, we'll, I mean, we'll cover hit rates and trading and, and all that kind of stuff in the off season. But I think the one point you made there that I really want to you know emphasize is don't think of picks as a drafting a pick for a player in that year. A draft pick is a movable asset. A 2023 first isn't going to be Keishon Butte or Bijan Robinson or, or, or one of those players. You're likely going to move it before then. So think of it as that tradable asset and think of it in terms of value now, not necessarily sitting and waiting to make that draft pick in two years' time. Yeah. But that that concludes it for this week. So uh, if you haven't, check out manscaped.com. You can use the code 5YARD for 20% off on free international shipping. Um, as Liam mentioned, make sure you're checking out 5YARD Rush uh, website. We've got uh, Dynasty Waverwire article has gone live today. Uh, Murph's obviously doing all the, the redraft stuff. Um, the college guys are absolutely uh, tearing up at the moment. They've got all the, the college previews and reviews after, as we're in the, the bowl season. And, uh, and obviously, Pitsy and, uh, and Rob will be back with their fantastic articles as well. Um, so thank you very much for listening, for watching along, if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook. And uh, thank you, Liam, and we will see you again next week. live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.